turn to Genesis 3 and Exodus 19, first two books of the Bible. We'll begin in Genesis chapter 3. And again, thank you for bringing your Bibles to church. We'll begin in Genesis 3, and then we'll go to Exodus 19. This is the last message in the series, Frequency. We've been talking about hearing God. And uh, I've been asking myself, what's the, what, what needs to be the capstone on this series? Lord, what have I not said that I need to say? And I went back over, and let me just review with you a little bit. We talked about that we're all sheep, and that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So absolutely, we know from the authority of Jesus, obviously, he would not have been referring just to first century Christians when he said, my sheep hear my voice. That refers to us as well. We're sheep, so we can hear God's voice. We talked about how we're friends of God. Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have told you and I speak to you So, because you're friends now. We talked about that all of us can share a word of encouragement from the Lord to someone else. 1 Corinthians 14, 31, let me remind you, says you can all prophesy. You can all prophesy, and that, that means a word of encouragement. So we can all share a word of encouragement to someone from the Lord. So if we can share a word from the Lord, then we can hear a word from the Lord ourselves. We can hear the Lord. Uh, we talked about value his voice, setting aside a time, making an appointment. I went through uh, how to, very much how to meet with God and how to hear God. Uh, we talked about call for confirmation, that after we believe we've heard the Lord, it needs to line up with the Bible, godly counsel needs to agree, and we should have peace because the Lord leads us those three ways. And then last week, we talked about stewarding his spoken word. When God speaks something to us, we have to heed what he has told us, and if we do, then he'll continue to speak. For those who hear and hear uh, diligently, they'll hear more. But those who don't want to hear or don't heed what God says, they'll hear less. So we've talked about that. So I said, what have I left out? Well, I got to thinking about a question that comes a lot to me in this area. And that is, how can I recognize the voice of God? How can I know for sure that it's God talking to me and not just my thoughts? So this week's message, and it's the last one in this series, is called Recognize Through Relationship. Recognize, now we're talking about recognizing the voice of God through relationship. And let's, let's talk for just a moment about personal relationship with God. In one of the books that I recommended, I recommended two books, and we, we probably still have some in the bookstore if you didn't get one or both. Uh, Bill Hybel's book called Whispers, and then Dallas Willard's book called Hearing God. In Dallas Willard's book, Dallas Willard makes this statement. He said, if God doesn't still speak today then the worst thing that we could ever do is tell someone they can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because if God doesn't speak, it wouldn't be a personal relationship. So the foundation of this whole series, the foundation of hearing God goes all the way back to personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you three things about personal relationship, all right? Here's number one. It's our highest priority. Relationship with God, personal relationship with God, it's our highest priority. Genesis chapter 3 is where the serpent comes to Adam and Eve in the garden and says, listen, if you'll eat this, you'll be like God. Now, just for a moment, I want you to think about that. He said to two people created in the image of God, they are the most like God. They're in the image and likeness of God. He said, if you do this, you'll be like God. 
I want you to think about that. Listen to me. Satan says the same. He hasn't gotten any, a new trick yet. He says the same thing to believers today. If you do this, you'll have joy. Listen, if you have Jesus, you have joy. If you do this, you'll have peace. If you have Jesus, you have peace. See, it's the same thing. And I want you to hear me very, very carefully. Please hear me. The very thing that Satan tells you to do so that you'll be happy is actually the very thing that will cause you to lose what you already have. The very thing that he tells you to do to get what you already have is actually the very thing that will cause you to lose what you already have. So he gets Adam and Eve to eat the fruit, and then we're going to pick it up in verse 8. All right, Genesis 3, verse 8. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Most theologians believe that would be the morning time. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, um, I, I've taught uh, Bible college classes and seminary classes and even university classes as a, uh, an adjunct professor where I go in and I speak and I've taught uh, pastor's conferences. I, I've spoken in probably five to six pastor's conferences in just the last few weeks. I do that a lot during the week. And a lot of times I teach on preaching. I teach pastors how to prepare messages and how to preach. And I always talk to them about that preaching is delivering a burden. In other words, you have to, it can't just be giving information. You have to get in the room. You have to meet with God. You have to pray. You have to get in his word. And in that time with God, God gives you a burden. And in the preaching, you deliver that burden. For instance, the burden for this whole series is, I, I want to talk to my people. This is God saying, I want my people to know that I still talk today. And then I want to talk to them directly. So I hear that burden from the Lord. Please tell my people that I'm still speaking and I want to talk to each of them. So that burden begins to come out through the series, all right? So every time when I'm preparing a message, I would say, most of the time, I'm, I'm reading somewhere in the Bible and I'll begin to cry. This is in my preparation because I sense the heart of God. And it happened on this passage this last week, and I feel like I need to tell you about it so you understand this. I'm reading this passage and, and I just sensed God's heart and I began to cry. Now, I want you to think for a moment about that God's a person, not a human, but he's a person. In other words, God has a mind. What makes a person is, is a mind, will, and emotions. God has a mind. He thinks. God has a will. We know about God's will. He has emotions. We, we read about how God was grieved, or God was sad, or God was happy. God had joy. So God's a person. So for a moment, think with me about the personhood of God, all right? And think about that God created this paradise and created two children, a boy and a girl. And he put his boy and his girl in this paradise. And every morning, he would go meet with them and do something during the day. And I think God planned things out. I think one day, he said, we're going to take a hike, and I want to show you something. And I, you can just see him. What are you, you going to show us, God? What are you going to show us? I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to show you. And so they hike, hike, hike for two or three miles, and they go through, and there's this huge 300-foot waterfall. And the Lord says, look at that. Isn't that cool? 
I made that for you guys. It's cool. You can go get in the water. You can swim. Okay, so every day, and then he, they hike. Come on, come on, let me show you something. What are you going to show us today, God? Come on, let me show you. And they hike up to a, a, a cliff, and they look out, and there's this herd of elephants, you know. And he said, look, look, at, look at that. I, I made them. Aren't they funny? Their nose and all. I made those just for you guys. Okay, so every morning. I think there were mornings when, when God was sitting on the rock, you know, beside the stream, just waiting for Adam and Eve to wake up. You know, I don't know uh, if you, I'm sure you've had this happen. If, if, you're, if you're married, you've probably had this happen. You just barely wake up in the morning and you just kind of barely open your eyes and your spouse is just looking at you right like this, you know. Hey, you wake, you wake. And you say, I am now, you know. So, um, you know, I, okay. You know, I think there were times when God did that. I think there might've been times when he even got down real close and looked at him, you know, just, just waiting for him to wake up. Okay, so... This morning, I want you to think about this morning we just read about in Genesis 3. God's walking through the garden, and he can't find them. Think about that. He's got the whole day planned, and he can't find them. So he says, where are you? And he hears the saddest words that he's ever heard. I heard your voice. And I was afraid. He never heard anything like that before. I, I heard your voice and I was afraid. Listen, we've been talking for seven weeks now about hearing the voice of God. Here is where the problem all started. When sin came into the world, people began to fear the voice of God. Never had feared God's voice before. Never. I heard your voice and I was afraid and I hid myself. Sin separates us from God. But here's the good news. Jesus restored that relationship. So if God, if man and woman could hear God's voice before the fall, and Jesus has come now and restored us, listen, we can still hear God's voice again. You don't ever have to be afraid when God speaks to you again. Because Jesus took care of it. So I, I, I got to talk about this. It, it is all goes back to a personal relationship with Jesus. All right. So in order to illustrate this, all right, I want to illustrate it for us. Okay. If you're married and you've been married for 20 years or longer, even if your spouse isn't, isn't in this service with you, um, South Lake and North Richland Hills, if you've been married for 20 years or longer, I want you to stand up. All right. Good. Okay, uh, again, uh, NRH as well, all right? So if, if you've been married for 30 years or longer, keep standing. If, you, if, it's, if it's less than 30, you have to sit down, all right? 30 years or longer, keep standing, all right? And that's where my wife was in. Um, my wife was in the previous service, and so that's where we were. We're, we're 30 years this year, okay? 40 years or longer, keep standing. 40 years or longer, isn't that great? 50 years or longer, keep standing. If it's less than 50, all right? And back there too, back in the back, so all right? So at the South Lake campus, we still have three couples. There's two here, but there's one in the back still standing, all right? 60 years or longer, keep 
standing. Did I lose all three of you? Okay, stand back up. Stand back up. I'm sorry. Okay, how long? How many years? Almost 51. 53. 51. 53 years right there. 53 years here at the South Lake. I don't know about the NRH campus, so, okay. Here's the reason I said that. Debbie and I have 30 years. 30 years, all right? So, I'm going to tell you a story. I want you to, I'm, I'm illustrating it through years of marriage, all right? I want you to tell me if you think this story is true. Last week, Debbie called me on the phone and said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, who is this? She said, it's Debbie. I said, Debbie who? Okay, how many of you believe that story? Okay, now some of you are thinking, yeah, I believe you might have done that just to be mean. Okay, I, I didn't do it that. Here's the point. When she calls me on the phone, I know who it is. And I know some of you, you're, the younger people here are thinking, yeah, call her ID. There used to be a time, young people, when we didn't know who it was on the phone. Okay, how can I recognize her voice even if I can't see her face? How? Because I've spent a lot of time with her. I've had thousands of conversations with her. Okay, here it is. You're, you're asking me. How, Pastor, how can I recognize God's voice? It's easy. Spend time with him. And here's what might, you might be thinking. Yeah, but wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, your wife is flesh and blood, and you're flesh and blood, and she speaks audibly, and so that's how you can recognize your voice. Oh, oh, oh hold on just a minute. Okay. Um, yes, I am. I do have a body. I am in, in, in a body in the natural. But according to the Bible, I also have a spirit. And God is spirit. And according to the Bible, my spirit can talk and my spirit can hear. I can learn and you can learn to hear God's voice in the spirit. But there's no substitute for relationship. All right? So it's our highest priority. Here's, here's number two. It's our highest pursuit. It's our highest pursuit. Relationship with God is our highest pursuit. It's, it's um, think about this, two trees in the garden, right? Uh, what were they? Do you remember what they were? There was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, which tree did God want Adam and Eve to pursue? Life, right? Okay, which tree does God want you to pursue even now? <laughs> tree of life. Can I make a kind of a bold statement? God never intended for us to live by the knowledge of good and evil. Never. As a matter of fact, many times now we think to ourselves, which choice would be good and which choice would be bad? Okay, listen, the same way in the Garden of Eden, God wanted them to live by his voice. See, here's what Satan said. Here's, what, here's where Satan started with Adam and Eve. Has God said what did God say? He tried to cast doubt on the word of God, on the voice of God. And when he did, when he got them to doubt God's voice, then he got them to sin. God doesn't want you to live by, is this a good thing for me to do? He wants you to live by, is this a God thing? God wants you to hear his voice. He wants his children to hear his voice. He wants his sheep to hear the voice of the shepherd. That's how he wants us to live our life. He doesn't want you to live your life by good or bad. Let me say it another way. Uh, this is going to shock you. God doesn't want you to live by your conscience. Now, I know this is going to shock you, but just, just stay with me, okay? Well, what does your conscience do? 
You, let, me, let me tell you what, in essence, your conscience is. It's the knowledge of good and evil. You say, well, well what, what, doesn't the conscience play a part in my life? Oh, yeah. Do you know what it's supposed to do? It's supposed to tell you what's good and bad to bring you to the place that you accept Jesus as your Savior. And when you accept Jesus as your Savior, do you know what happens to your conscience, actually? It actually gets cleansed by the blood of Jesus so that you don't serve God out of dead works. You know what dead works are? Uh, it's a way that we try to do something to earn God's favor. Listen to me carefully. You cannot earn God's favor. You can only receive it. You can never earn it. You can only receive it. But if your conscience hasn't been cleansed, then you'll keep trying to do things to get God's favor. Now, let me read you the verse. Hebrews nine fourteen says, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, watch what the blood does, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. See, your conscience tells you what's wrong so that you'll come to Christ. Now listen to me. Here's what people say. You need your conscience to tell you between right and wrong. Okay, listen, I, wanna, I got a question for you. Why can't the Holy Spirit do that? Matter of fact, Jesus even said that's his job. In John 16, Jesus said, when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will convict of sin, that's wrong, righteousness, that's right, and judgment, that's consequences. So here's what he said. He'll tell you what to do. Uh, I remember one time I was, um, <laughs> it's funny, I was, uh, took a, some young married couples on a retreat, and uh, we were sitting around this fire sharing our testimonies. And this guy had been saved about three weeks. And he's listening to everybody's testimony. And then he says, ooh, he says, can I share my testimony? We said, yeah. So he starts telling his testimony. While he's talking, he reaches his pocket and pulls his cigarettes out. And he starts doing this. He says, and I didn't know God. I mean, I was a sinner. Gets his cigarette out. I didn't know God at all, he says. And he's telling his testimony. And it's a little, these couples are kind of like, what do we do, you know? <laughs> he's talking about Jesus and he's smoking while he's, he's not going out back or hiding or anything, you know? <laughs> and so I start thinking, you know, I'm the leader of the group, you know? And so I thought, should I tell him, you know, that probably, he probably needs to quit smoking, but he probably shouldn't smoke while he's sharing his testimony, you know? <laughs> and I mean, it's funny, he said, and Jesus came into my life. And smoke's come out of his mouth while he said, and save me, set me free. He said, Jesus gave me. He's just, you know, like that. It's just, and I think, I, you know, I probably ought to tell him, you know. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And then I remember thinking, well, what if the Holy Spirit doesn't tell him <laughs> that it's wrong? And the Holy Spirit said to him, well, if I don't tell him it's wrong, well, why would you tell him it? You know, so anyway, I had this whole traditional conversation with the Lord, you know, so listen to me. God doesn't want you to live by your conscience. He wants you to live by his voice. That's an amazing thing. Okay, let me ask you another question. Again, I'm just trying to get you to think, all right? And just don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to get you to think. What if God told you to do something that violated your conscience? I was having a conversation with this lady one time, and I just, I just like to get people to think. She said, you know, I couldn't do anything that would violate my conscience. Have you ever heard that? I couldn't do it if it violated my conscience. And I said, well, what if God told you to do something that would violate your conscience? She said, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> and so I said to her, I said, do you mean that the eternal 
creator and sustainer of the universe is limited to your conscience? What you think is right and wrong, <laughs> that limits God. And by the way, I said, you know, there, there is a story in the Bible where God asked a man to do something that it violated his conscience. She said, what? I said, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. Would that violate your conscience? <laughs> now, we know the end of the story. I'm not saying that God wants us to do something wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have faith and a good conscience toward God. That's 1 Timothy. We should have. The New Testament talks about having a good conscience. But the good conscience doesn't come from doing what's right and wrong. The good conscience comes from having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. And hearing his voice and obeying him. So, it's our highest pursuit. Here's number three. It's our highest passion. Our highest passion his relationship with God. Now, we're going to get to Exodus 19 in just a moment, but let me read you uh, Luke chapter 10, a few verses. Verse 38, it happened as they went that he, this is Jesus, entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word or heard his voice. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care? wonder how many times we've thought that. <laughs> you don't even care, God, that my sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. By the way, that's listening to his voice because he says, and Mary has chosen that good part. Mary's chosen to do what's needed, sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his voice, which will not be taken away from her. Okay, one thing is needed. Okay, I want to ask you some questions. Are you worried and troubled about many things? Because if you are, those will stop you from sitting down and listening to Jesus when he's in your house. And I have some inside information for you. I know for a fact, because he told me, that Jesus is coming to your house tomorrow. He will be in your house tomorrow morning waiting for you to wake up. The question is, will you be distracted or will you hide from him and miss him? Are you too busy to sit down and listen when Jesus talks? just like Martha was. See, I started the series saying, I can teach you how to hear God. Well, I've gone back over what I've taught, and I've taught you how to hear God. There's no doubt. Maybe you need to go back and review it and listen to it again, but I can teach you how to hear God. Here's what I can't do. I cannot have a personal relationship with Jesus for you. I can't do that. As a matter of fact, did you know that for years, thousands of years, People have wanted pastors to have a personal relationship with God for them. Now, Exodus 19, let me just read you this. Exodus 19, verse 5 says, Now, therefore, this is God speaking, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Remember that phrase, kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. And then 
Look it down. Now, God shows up on the mountain, and there's thunderings and lightnings and all this. And then that's what he says in 19. He says, I want to, I want to talk to everybody. I want everybody to hear my voice. Then look at chapter 20. Look at the people's response to Moses, verse 19. Exodus 20, 19. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. That's exactly what Adam felt. For God has come to test you that his fear, his reverence may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood far off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. This has been a problem for a long time. And if you don't hear God after this series, this will be the reason. Because you personally don't develop your personal relationship with him. And listen to me, in the same way that I can recognize my spouse's voice because I've spent a lot of time with her and had a lot of conversations with her, listen to me, you can recognize your spouse's voice because you're the bride of Christ. You can recognize Jesus's voice if you'll simply build your relationship with him and spend time with him. This is what I can't do. I can teach you how to do it, but what I can't do is develop your personal relationship with Jesus. I can't do that. You're the only one that can do that. Years ago, um, I'm going to tell you a, a story about Debbie and me. Before I even started this series, I knew I wanted to use it, but I didn't know where I wanted to. And now I'm going to use this story to finish the last message of this series. When Debbie and I had younger kids, we had one kind of luxury. We had this hot tub that we bought. And uh, it wasn't a very big hot tub. It was a real small one. You actually plug it into 110. That's how small it was. It was only two-person hot tub. But every night we would, uh, after we put the kids to bed, we would sit in that hot tub and talk. It was on our back porch. It was kind of like our time, you know. And uh, we had this little monitor, and they'd just come out with them back then. That's how long ago this was. And, of course, everybody has the monitors now where you can hear the baby cry and put one monitor in the baby's room and one where you are. So we had this little monitor. I do need to confess to you, though, that it, it fell in the hot tub one time. But it was amazing because after that, the kids never cried again. They never, <laughs> never cried. And uh, so, anyway, we just had a great time just sitting there and talking, you know, and enjoying each other. So one night, she got real serious, and she said to me, uh, I want to ask you something. I said, Okay. She said, would you teach me how to hear God? And I remember thinking, well, sure, but, I mean, I've taught uh, Bible classes on this, college classes. I, you know, yeah, I'll teach you to hear God. And so I said, you know, I went through a couple of things, and I said, you know, you can hear God right now. Did you know that? You, you can hear God right now. I said, let's just stop for a moment. Let's just, just you know, focus on the Lord. And just take a moment, and I'm going to pray. And I'm telling you, I'm going to ask God to speak to you, and he'll speak. I promise you. So I said, just, I said, I want you to close your eyes, and I, and I prayed. And then I said, now, I'm going to ask God to speak to you, but it's going to be like a thought come into your mind. There's going to be a thought. So I was watching her face. Now, you have to see what happened here. So I'm watching her face, okay? And um, she, she's like this. She just, you know, she's trying to listen. And all of a sudden, she did like this. She went, like that. <laughs> Let me show you one more time. She's doing like this, and she goes. So I said to her, wait, 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 wait a minute. I said, what, what, what did you just hear? She said, well, it wasn't God. I know that. I said, no, you don't know that. You don't know that. I said, tell me. You asked me to help you. Tell me what you just heard. She said, well, 
I just read a book to the kids to put into bed. The book was called The Little Engine That Could. You remember that book? It's about a little blue train engine, and it was made just to pull small, uh, like one or two cars around the yard. And there was this great big train that needed to go over a hill. And so the big train said to the big engines, hey, would you pull me over the hill? And the big engine said, no, the hill is too big. I can't do it. And he went to all the big engines and nobody would. So he went to the little engine and said, would you pull me over the hill? And said the little engine took him and pulled him over the hill. But the whole time, the little engine kept saying this phrase over and over. And she said, I heard that phrase. I said, well, what, what, what did you hear? She said, uh, here's what I heard. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. <laughs> and just like that, the Lord spoke to me and I said to her, you just heard God. You just heard God. And I said, because you see yourself as the little engine and you see me as the big engine. And the Lord is trying to tell you that you can hear God. You really can. And I feel like that God gave me a word for each of you. Now, you have to understand something. My wife has now developed her personal relationship with God. And now when she comes to me and says, hey, I feel like God has said something to me, I'm all ears. Because she can hear God. And I know she can hear God now. Because she's developed her relationship. Let me say again, that's the part I can't do for you. I can't do that for you. But I have a word from God for all of you. All of you. Here's the word. I know you can hear God. And I, God wants me to tell you, I know you can hear God. Now, if you have trouble remembering that, I want you to remember this. I know I can, I know I can, I know I can. <laughs> you can hear God but you're going to have to develop your relationship with him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Some of you may be like Adam and Eve. Now listen to me very carefully. You've messed up. You've done something wrong. And now you're hiding from God. But you don't need to hide from God because Jesus died for your sins. He died to pay the price for your sins. So if you're here today, whether you're at South Lake or North Richland Hills, and you're going through a difficulty, we want to pray for you. You may be going through a difficulty in your relationship with God, maybe going through a difficulty in your marriage or your family, your job, your finances, your health. But if you're going through a difficulty, we want to pray for you. Maybe you need to come back to God. Maybe you need to say, Lord, forgive me. And, and, and maybe you need to start your personal relationship with Jesus today. We can help you. We can help you. If you need to give your life to Christ today and really give him control of your life, maybe you believe in God, but you've never really given God control of your life. We want to help you. We do this at every service. Please don't be embarrassed because this is not embarrassing. It's really not. Every service, we have leaders here at the front at, at all of our campuses. And if you need prayer, you just come to one of the leaders and, and we pray for you and we help you. So if you need prayer for any reason at all, no matter which campus you're attending, if you need prayer, as soon as we stand up in just a moment, and that'll make it easier for you to just slip out of your seat, then just slip out of your seat, come to the front, come to one of the leaders, and let us pray for you, okay? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person that has any prayer need in Jesus' name. Amen.